0: How's that? Well, thank you very much to Linda and also to Naomi and the whole team for uh, the praise and worship time we've enjoyed together this morning, and in particular for that last song. I really enjoyed that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Have you heard that before? Well, I have now, and I think it's going to be in, in my uh, playlist, perhaps from this time going forward. I want to welcome everybody to uh, to our church service together today. It's such a joy to welcome you all uh, to Trinity Garden Seventh-day Adventist Church, and a very special welcome today, of course, uh, to our brothers and sisters from Faith Adventist Church. Please raise your hand this morning if you are from Faith Adventist Center, Faith Adventist Center there in Mawson Lakes. Praise the Lord to see uh, my brothers and sisters. Uh, here with us today, and I have to say um, that uh, uh, you know it really is such a joy to me personally uh, to be able to see you all together on the one Sabbath morning because. Uh, Faith Adventist Center and Trinity Garden Seventh-day Adventist Church have something very special that they hold in common. And it's not the fact that they have the same pastor. That's not the case at all. That's not what I'm saying. But rather instead that both these two congregations, all of us together as one great big happy family, have been raised up as a part of the great Advent movement to carry what is the most important message in the world today. And that message is the three angels' messages. A message to be carried to the whole world to prepare the world for the soon return or second advent of Jesus Christ our Lord. Do I hear an amen? This is the message, this is the mission and vision that God has given to us as his advent people. And such a joy to be able to come together with you this morning and to share on what we hold together in common. It's a message that is found in the very heart of the book, the beating heart, you could say, of the book of Revelation, that last great book of the Bible, that book which outlines the future of God's people, in fact, future of every inhabitant, every person upon planet Earth today. But it also outlines God's plan to save and redeem all those who can be saved through our crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the book of Revelation is a very important book within the canon of Scripture. It tells us what things are to come. It tells us in advance those things that God has in mind uh, to help us in the times ahead. We are living today in troublesome times. We are living in pandemic times. The Bible tells us that there will be future difficult times as well. But God tells us in the book of Revelation that he has a plan to help us surmount, to help us overcome, and to win in the battle of life and to win uh, in this battlefield called earth. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me or to scroll with me, if you will, whatever the case may be, in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, that last book of the Bible. Take a look there at the core at the very center of uh, the book of Revelation, and you'll find towards its center uh, three uh, very significant chapters, chapters 12 through 14. And uh, there in those uh, chapters, uh, chapters 12 through 14, we see there a microcosm. We see there a, uh, a miniature form in detail, if you will, of the great breadth and scope of the great controversy or great conflict and war which is waging between Christ and Satan. And uh, there uh, in that uh, great war, that great battle that is described there, it seems that all along the way that uh, Satan and the powers that, that be, the powers that were in allegiance or are in allegiance with him in this world, that they seem to be winning the day relentlessly through chapter 12, inexorably through chapter 13, until it reaches a high watermark, a, a crescendo point, where virtually the entire world, the Bible tells us, almost the entire world will follow after the beast and its master, that old dragon, Satan. But then comes chapter 14, because in chapter 14, something wonderful happens as things irreversibly begin to change, as God steps in and sets in motion a series of events that bring Satan's sinister schemes to an end. And it unfolds like this. We, we open with a preview picture of what it will be like for the redeemed and in their eternal reward and inheritance. And it's bookended at the end of chapter 14 with a scene of the harvest from the earth, that metaphorical picture of the second coming of Jesus. And so between these two bookends, literally central to the realization of both of these events, both the second coming of Jesus, the fulfillment of every hope of the human heart and of our eternal redemption to come, central to the realization of both these things, right smack bang in the middle, are the three angels' messages of Revelation 14, verses 6 through 13. we're going to be spending our time just in those verses this morning. I didn't want to uh, make you think we were covering three chapters this morning. That's just a very quick backdrop to what we're going to do today. But we're going to just be looking at verses 6 through 13 of Revelation chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles there ready and handy, I want you to pay attention uh, to how uh, this begins. Because... uh, These really are vital messages. These are the three final messages of utmost importance that God wants to share with the world, the entire world, just before Jesus returns. They represent God's last-ditch, last-gasp effort to save the inhabitants of the world from eternal destruction. And John the Revelator starts out in verse 6 with these words. He tells us that he sees another angel flying in the mid-air or in the mid-heavens, carrying with him uh, the everlasting gospel to proclaim to the inhabitants of the earth, to every tribe, every nation, every language, every people, and declaring with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come worship him who made the heavens and the earth the seas and the fountains of living waters this is how the message begins it begins with John telling us through this first angel what uh, what are uh, the things to come it tells us that uh, there is a message an everlasting gospel message to share now You might be forgiven for thinking when you read that passage that you might look out your window and see a literal angel flying in the midair at that moment. That is not what that necessarily means. But rather instead, what it does mean is that God will send his people as messengers to the whole world. For it wasn't to angels that God gave that unspeakably great and wonderful privilege and honor of sharing the gospel to the world that great privilege and honor was given to you and to me. And Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, all authority in heaven has been, and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. Go, you, into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them whatsoever I have instructed you. For lo, I am with you even to the very ends of the age. You know, the word that's used here for angel, angelos, literally means messenger. And God is sending his messenger or messengers who will bring his unmistakable message. Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come come worship him who made the heavens and the earth the seas and the fountains of living waters in other words god is saying the angel is saying the messenger is projecting the message of saying look the time has come to meet your maker to worship your creator because the time has come for judgment in order that very rapidly the kingdom of this world shall become the kingdom of our lord and of our christ This is very good news, wouldn't you agree? This is good news in a bad news world, to know that there is hope beyond today and that there is hope that goes not just into tomorrow but into our eternal future. And so as we consider that, as we reflect upon this message of the first angel uh, this morning, I can't help but uh, bring to your attention the fact that this is why we have been birthed. In fact, this is why just last year that Faith Adventist Center, let's see those hands again. This is why everyone who has their hands raised this morning, it's not everyone that comes to our Faith Adventist Center, by the way. Some of us are missing today. We miss them. We're going to love on them when we see them, aren't we? But praise be to God for, for the fact that God has raised up you just like he's raised up your hands. He's raised up Faith Adventist Center for this very specific purpose of sharing the three angels' messages. In fact, when, uh, as a congregation, you were birthed, those amongst you who were there at the beginning, you know that the vision that God placed upon your heart was, that, uh, was to raise up, or, to, uh, or that's very central, in fact, to your being as a center, was to uh, train and multiply disciples, who serve and share the everlasting gospel of the three angels' messages. That's the vision that God placed in the heart of those of you from Faith Adventist Center. And likewise, here at Trinity Gardens, our vision is to be a church that knows, experiences, and shares our hope in Jesus Christ. Now, these are different words, but they have the same intent. Two congregations... One and the same goal. To be a people who share the everlasting, never-ending, good news gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the, the reason that God has raised up the eternally good news that the one who hung the galaxies in space gave up heaven to come to earth to live in our skin, to walk in our shoes, and to die in our place, that we might have a place together with him. That the penalty for for sin, which is death, might be removed. And rather instead, that uh, uh, he will rescue us from death due to sin and save us to eternal life. This is the hope secured for us in Jesus Christ. And this is the message that we get to share with the world. This is the hope we have. This is who we are. We are His. And so what are these three angels' messages? This message of Advent hope that we are called to share with the world. And what does the message say, not just about itself, but what does it say about what is valued by God and what is valued by we, His messengers? Well, there are several of these values that may be found in the three angels' messages. And unsurprisingly, amongst them are the five values that we've identified here at Trinity Gardens as important to us in terms of who God has called us to be. These are honesty, integrity, respect, inclusiveness, and empowering culture. Those are the five values that God has placed upon your heart as being important to who you are and how we conduct ourselves and live the life that God has called us to live. And three of these may be found (coughs) in the first angel's message. Now, these are not the only values that you'll find embedded in the three angels' messages. There are other values there. So if you're from Faith Adventist Center this morning and you think, oh, okay, so we need to follow those same five values. Well, they are there, but there are other values there which might resonate uh, with Faith Adventist Center. And you might say to yourself, you know what? These are the values that we wish to live by that are in tune with the very same three angels' messages we are called to share with the world. But three of the values which have been identified here at Trinity Gardens can be found in that first angel's message. Take a look there again in verse 6. It starts out, remember how it begins. It says, uh, For I saw another angel flying in the mid-heavens, in the mid-air, carrying the everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who live upon the earth, to every tribe, nation, language, and people. Now, the first thing that we discover there is that we see here an angel or messenger who is empowered. Empowered to have and proclaim the gospel and to be very active about it. I mean, look at him. Look at him. He's not being held back. He is empowered. He is on the move. He's not sitting at a bus stop, waiting. He's not thumbing a ride by the side of the road, waiting. He is flying in the midair you cannot get more active you cannot get more speed than that than to be flying in the midair he is very active about what he is doing and so here at trinity gardens we value an empowered culture an empowered church where we believe that everyone is uniquely gifted to each play our part in the greatest mission of all to be good news people in a bad news world don't we need more good news people we sure do And so we are called to be good news people in a bad news world, sharing the everlasting, never ending gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't believe that you have to be qualified to be called as a messenger. Have you ever heard of a messenger having to be qualified to be called as a messenger? I didn't ask the courier who came to my door during the week, Are you qualified to do what you do? Could you imagine if I asked him that question? We don't believe that someone has to be qualified. To be a messenger, it may help. It may also be a hindrance. You see, God doesn't just call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You've heard that before, haven't you? And it's still true to this very day. God qualifies those whom he has first called. Let me illustrate. Uh, Some years ago, true story, Ray Blankenship was sitting at his breakfast table. And as he sat there at the breakfast table, Uh, he had a nice big outlook through the window in front of him. And he was enjoying the quietude and the serenity uh, of a lovely uh, early start to the morning. And as he was about to sip uh, some more orange juice, suddenly he saw through the window something that would change his entire day. He saw a baby girl, a little baby girl, that was caught in a drainage ditch. See, just outside of his house, just a little bit beyond it, was this very large drainage ditch. And it had been flooding through that area recently. And so that drainage ditch had caught all the water, and the water was raging through. And this little girl was being swept along at great speed and being pummeled over and again as she was uh, tossed to and fro in the waters that was making its way down this, this drainage ditch. Well, when Ray saw this, he jumped up and he dashed to the door and he ran as fast as he could. And as he did that, his wife, who was on the phone with someone else at the moment, she changed her mind and began to call a different number. She began to call Emergency. And Ray began to run. As he was running, he was just desperate to try and get ahead of this little girl. He was running parallel as fast as he could along that drainage ditch because he knew that just ahead of that little baby girl was a yawning chasm that was a culvert that went underground for quite a long ways and that when the water got underneath there, it would fill all the way up to the top and there would be no breathing space in there. And in fact, it was all metal and concrete all the way through. If that little baby girl was to find her way into that yawning uh, chasm, there'd be no way out. He knew that would be it. And so as he's running along beside the, uh, beside the ditch, he realized he could not get in front of her to maybe catch her as she passed. And so doing the last possible thing he could do, he ran and he leapt, and he flew through the air and into the water. He went down, and as he came up, he just reached out and he grabbed her arm. He caught her. And he began to pull her in towards himself, desperate to pull her in against the flow of the water, but also with his other arm reaching out to try and find anything he could lay a hand on, and he caught something. He got it. He found a rock that was attached to the side of that, uh, that drain. But there was no way he could possibly pull them out. He was desperate just to pull her in and to pull them both together towards the side of that ditch. And he knew that if he let her go, that was it. And so he held on and wondered how long he could hold, but he did. And eventually the rescuers came, and both of them were rescued, and they were pulled out of that ditch and alive. You know, that day, Ray Blankenship did a heroic deed. He threw himself into danger in order to rescue someone whose future looked hopeless if he didn't. But what's really remarkable about that story is that Ray could not swim. The man couldn't swim. Talk about qualifying the called. Amen? When Ray Blankenship realized that the only way to save that girl was if he put his own life on the line, he did it. You know, imagine if Ray had said to himself, I'll sit back and I'll wait for someone who can swim. What would have been the end of that story? And likewise, in our own lives, imagine if we were to also sit back and to say, I'll wait for someone who can swim. I'll wait for the preacher. I'll wait for the pastor or the teacher. I'll wait for someone else to step in when God has already placed us right where we need to be with that person. To not only save them from imminent death, but save them from eternal loss. And so in the same way, God has called us to, like Ray, as it were, to literally be in midair, to be on the move, uh, to save those who would otherwise have no hope and have no future, who are family members, who are colleagues, who are friends, who would otherwise go to a godless grave and miss out on eternity with the one who loves them most and very best. And so we believe here at Trinity Gardens, and I know that this is on the heart of Faith Adventist Center as well, the beating heart of mission, that God has empowered us, and we want to empower each other in turn as well to say, let's together be a part of God's great rescue team in these last days. Because the time is short. The devil knows the time is short. And the time is short for us to play our part in rescuing the lost. And so we believe here in being empowered. We're empowered by one and the same Spirit of God and to empower each other to serve in the mission that God has called us to. But secondly, we believe and we value the fact that the everlasting good news is inclusive. As verse 6 says, it is for every tribe, nation, language, and people. It's not just for those who look like and sound like and speak like us. The kingdom of God is for all, and all are welcome here. Amen? If all are not welcome here, then perhaps I'm not welcome. All are welcome here in God's house. Everyone's included. No one misses out. And so we believe in being empowered by the Spirit of God for the greatest mission of all. But we also uh, believe in inclusion, and we also, thirdly, as verse uh, 7 points out, we believe in the message of the first angel. Fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the seas, and the springs of living water. Now, if I was to distill down the essence of that message this morning, it would be to say this. It is time to start taking God seriously. It is time to take God respectfully and to give him the glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Not will come, notice that. Not might come, has come. The hour of his judgment has already begun. And Jesus is not coming again to, to, to work out, well, who's mine and who's not? He's not coming in to say, now, what do I do next? And scratch his head and pull his beard. No, Jesus is not coming for that purpose. When Jesus comes, his, the judgment has already begun. He is coming, and his reward is with him. He is coming to reward the righteous, to deliver the righteous, and to destroy the wicked. And so the hour to make a decision is today. Not to put it off but to seri- take God seriously and respectfully and say, yes, God, I know that I- I'm going to meet my maker. I want to start worshiping my creator today and not wait until tomorrow because tomorrow may be too late. And so here at Trinity Gardens, we not only are a church, a church family that is empowered and wants every single one of us to be empowered and wants everyone to be included, But we are a congregation who values what God values, and that's respect. Because you know what? It's only as we respect God that we will truly also respect each other as those who are made in God's image. And so here at Trinity Gardens, we value respect. And so the first angel's message tells us In summary, it tells us who to run to, who to run to to be empowered, who to run to to be included, who to run to and who is worthy of our respect. And only after we've shared the first angel's message do we move on then to the second angel's message about who to run from. Because the second angel's message is about who to run from. And this is not a very popular message. Uh, Some of you know the truth of that. It's not a popular message, but it is a truth that needs to be told, and that requires honesty. And so here at Trinity Gardens, we value honesty because people won't thank you if you withhold from them the truth they need to know, especially when by telling them the truth, we help them avoid what the Bible talks about and what the Bible calls Babylon. Listen, the second angel's message follows after the first angel's message. This last gasp series of messages before the end of time. And the second angel's message is this. The second angel followed after saying in a loud voice again, not whispering in a corner, by the way, but saying in a loud voice further, everyone can hear, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great which has made all the nations drink of the maddening wine of her adulteries. In other words, there is an entity, there is an organization or, or some identity in the world today that God is saying, beware of this and run from this as you run to me. You see, this is, a, uh, this is something, this is a, an entity that, that is infidelitous. It is adulterous. It has been unfaithful and you do not wish, I mean, you might like to party with Babylon, you might like to drink with Babylon, and you might be intoxicated by Babylon, but do you really want to be fallen when Babylon falls? Do you want to be there when Babylon falls? There is something and someone we need to run from as we run to Jesus. There's only safety in Jesus. And so the second angel's message is about who to run from. And yes, when the appropriate time comes, and it can sometimes be very inconvenient and difficult and painful even to face up to the truth and be honest about who Babylon is, something we don't have time to appropriately share today, but at some point, no doubt, we will. But when eternal life is at stake, we need to know who to run to, and we need to know who to run from. We need to not only know the truth as Advent messengers of God, but we need to be honest about the truth to those who need to know. And finally, just wrapping up here, there's the third angel's message, which deals with the consequences of our choice. That is, shall we run to Jesus or run to Christ and from Babylon and Antichrist? Or shall we run to Babylon and from Christ? Take a look there at uh, verse 9 of Revelation 14. We read the following, A third angel followed after them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too shall drink of the uh, wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day nor night, for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Therefore, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. You know, whenever God shares some bad news, you ever notice how he always also very quickly shares good news? God doesn't like to dwell on bad news. He loves to share his good news, but he's realistic that the good news is in response to the bad news. And he has some good news for us. He says, therefore, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. That's just simply God's people, those who've chosen him who first chose us, who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. You see the dichotomy there. You see those that are, Uh, You see, Babylon is unfaithful. We don't want to be caught up with an unfaithful crowd because that's going to fall. We want to be amongst those who remain faithful to Jesus because those are going to rise. That's on the upward way. The other way is the downward way. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write or write this down. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they shall rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. How beautiful a promise is that? God has given us a wonderful promise. And that promise is, yes, you will go through difficult times, both now in our life as it is, and in the times yet to come before the coming of the Lord. But the coming of the Lord shall come. And even those here and now in the time uh, intervening, who who go to their rest. Oh, how blessed they are, for they shall rest from their labor and their deeds shall follow them. How good to know that those who've come before us and have died, they're not going to miss out on the second coming of Jesus. They're resting until he's coming when he comes to claim them, but also comes to claim us. And there's coming a day where we shall rest from the difficulties of life and have the delights of heaven and this is the good news that God wants us to share. But in the meantime, the third angel's message is also a very serious message. I'm sure you would agree. Would you agree? It's a very ominous message, in fact. In fact, it's one of the most serious and and sobering messages of the entire Bible. And the reason for that is because God doesn't want any of us to receive the mark of the beast and be lost. For us to simply take what seems to be the easy way out, and go with the flow uh, and fit within the mold or image of the beast or of Babylon and be whom Babylon would have us be. But rather, God desires for us to be people of integrity, willing to patiently endure and persist in what is right, to obey God's commandments, all 10 of them, not just nine, and to remain faithful to Jesus. Because it's only through Jesus that we can live the life he's called us to live. We can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can't do something uh, that, that uh, that that goes against our sinful human nature without his help, and he's so willing to help us. And so he says to us, be a people of integrity. Be willing to patiently endure persist in what is right, obey my commandments, remain faithful to Jesus who is so faithful to you, even when others may seek to make such a choice hard for us. And I know that that's true for some of us here today. Or when we ourselves choose a path of divided allegiance that leaves a permanent mark. You know, the story is told as we come to a close of how a bishop invited a priest to his home for dinner. And when the priest arrived, they, they enjoyed a, a lovely meal together and enjoyed the evening, in fact, together as well. And uh, the housekeeper came in and uh, during the course of the evening the priest couldn't help but notice um, the degree of what seemed to be quite personal intimacy between the bishop and the housekeeper. And towards the end of the evening he made his way to the door and, and as he was about to leave, the the bishop said to him, now I know what you're thinking, but I want to assure you that the relationship between myself and my housekeeper is strictly proper. And so they parted from each other and they went their separate ways. Well, about three days later, the housekeeper came to the bishop and she said, "Um, that antique solid silver soup ladle Uh, that I I used the other night when the priest came around, it's missing. Do you think that maybe he took it with him? And the bishop said, oh, well, I don't think so. I wouldn't think he would do such a thing. But let me ask him. And so he wrote a letter to the priest. And the letter went as follows. It said, uh, dear father, or as we would say, dear brother, dear brother, uh, I'm not saying that you did take the solid silver soup ladle, and I'm not saying that you didn't take the soup ladle, um, but it seems that it's gone missing since you were here. Well, some time passed, and the, uh, the priest responded with a letter, and in due course it arrived at the bishop's uh, residence, and he opened it up and it said, Dear Eminence, or uh, Excellency, I'm not saying that you do sleep with your housekeeper or that you do not sleep with your housekeeper, but if you slept in your own bed, you would have found the soup ladle by now. (laughs) Interesting, so I don't know if it's true. But in every story, there is a kernel of truth. And what this story is about is integrity. We may outwardly profess what is right But when we lack integrity, the inward mark that is on our heart will ultimately become the outwardly visible mark that defines our choices and determines our destiny. And so just as God values, let us also value integrity. For as we wholeheartedly give ourselves to Christ in sharing his three angels' messages, the most important message or series of messages in these last days for a world in need of good news, good news people in a bad news world, as empowered and empowering, inclusive, respectful, and honest messengers of integrity, patiently enduring, obeying God's commandments, and remaining faithful to Christ then one day we shall hear his voice say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome into the blessedness of my rest and your eternal reward. And who here today would love to hear the voice of God, your maker, creator, savior, and forever friend, say those words to you. Please raise your hand if that's true for you. I know it's true for me, and I just rejoice to see so many hands raised to say, I too want to be there on that day received, not deceived by Babylon, but received into the kingdom of God when he comes. And so with that thought in mind, I just want to encourage us today. Let us then be his Advent messengers, faithfully sharing his three angels' messages to the world in this time so near to the second Advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to encourage us today. I know this is uh each each congregation has a different approach in these COVID times, but I'm going to encourage us today to just remain seated. This is our COVID custom, you could say, just at the moment. Just to remain seated where you are, but still sing with all that you are uh, our final song today, which is we have this hope. Hope in the coming of the Lord, a hope so secure that it can never be taken away just as we can never be taken out of the hands of the one who died that we might live. We have this hope.